Oh, it's so nice to see all of you. Genuinely so nice. What are you moving? That. I was worried about this light giving me a weird glow. Um, yeah, it's so nice to see all of you. You all look great. All these students returning. Thanks so much. It's fantastic to you all. Um, I am a PhD student. It's a little bit like you, but I've been doing it for so long. Just like, so, so long. I don't know why. I even moved cities and carried on studying. And studying history. But not even very old history. It's not even like proper history. I'm studying 1950s and 1980s. Just like, just, exactly, exactly, I'm really sorry, that's really like some of your lifetimes. I mean, I wasn't alive, but like, a lot of people were. Sorry, sorry. The students, 1950s, a long time ago, before you know, the internet, probably. Uh, yeah, really sorry about that. So uh, I, study, I study international development, well, I study history of international development, international medical aid, so like, constantly what I'm looking at is different worldviews, like lots of people having different ideas about the way to do life well, and particularly the way to do politics well. And that often like, manifests in so many different kind of ways of thinking, ways of behaving, and often people force their own views on everyone else, and then they all have to do it. And because I'm looking, I'm not looking at really a particular country, I'm looking at Ghana, a West African country mainly, but a lot of my stuff is global. Loads of different forces from all over the world saying this is the right way to do life. And if you do life like this, it'd be peachy. And I found that so, the more I delve into it, the more I'm sort of left with this real dissatisfaction with all these perspectives. I've not been doing it even that long, but none of them work. Like, none of them. Like, you think, oh, like, one of them would work. One of them, so a little country would find a way of dealing with its problems, and it'd all kind of go, all right, but nobody gets it. Nobody, it's so amazing. So what I want to talk to you about today is the way that I think God invites us into his way of living. And it's, a really, it's just a really simple talk. But it really matters, because I think, from what I've read about just human nature, and what we're like, and what I'm like, is we get so hooked on to morals or like a moral way of doing it or that's a good way of doing it and we lose what God invites us into which is something so much more precious which is seeking him. So, given this to start a new year I want us to dwell on what he says to start with first when we're seeking him and why. So, I'm going to go with the verse Matthew 6, verse 33 which is an absolute famous one. And you're very welcome to read it if you want. It's very short also just listen. Um, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. At the time when Jesus was responding to some real concerns about what will we eat, where will we go, what will we see, what will we wear, and he's just like, no, stop. You're not going to worry about that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. Now, as we're going basic, I want to tell you a fairy tale. So it's a fairy tale I've invented, so to be kind. Um, and it's all about what it is to seek first the kingdom of God. And it starts with three kingdoms. The first two kingdoms are very alike in dignity. They're strong, courageous kingdoms. One is called the kingdom of freedom. And the other, the kingdom of justice. Now, the kingdom of freedom is obsessed with every man, woman, and child being able to do exactly what they like and think and 
go exactly where they please. Every way in which they do politics, family life, everything is all about freedom for the kingdom of freedom. Because I think it would be kind of unfair if they made anyone do anything. So that's the kingdom of freedom. Now the sister kingdom, the kingdom of justice, is all about doing everything really morally. Like, kind of, they want equality. You know, they're strong and courageous as well. They're like, we want to make sure no one gets left behind. We want to make sure everyone gets their fair share. So we're the kingdom of justice. Now, they don't really mind so much about freedom. They're like, they kind of think freedom is that for people that want, you know, have a pleasurable life. They're like, no, we want a fair life. We're the kingdom of justice. So they want to share everything out fairly. Now, the final kingdom is the kingdom of God. We'll be hearing a little bit more about the kingdom of God later. But in the region of the three kingdoms, there was a famine. And the kingdom of justice was terrified. So well, what are we going to do? Everyone's going to starve. But the leader of the kingdom of justice decided, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because as long as we choose the moral path, the good, the just path, we're going to be going in the right direction. So the kingdom of justice decided, we'll, we'll share everything out, every little morsel of food, even though everyone's going to starve because there won't be enough for anyone. The kingdom of justice will go on, and will be just. Now, the kingdom of freedom thought, that's a stupid way to do it. We're going to make sure that everyone can kind of do what they want, because well, there's going to be a famine, and people are going to be a bit upset, so, well, we don't want to get involved. Everyone should be allowed to be free and liberal. As they said, we won't put any restrictions on anything. If you get food, keep it. If you don't get food, no, it's your fault. So, these are the two kingdoms, the kingdom of freedom and kingdom of justice. Now, the kingdom of God was also absolutely terrified. But they didn't really have a plan. Unlike the others who, unlike their sisters, they had no idea what to do. They had no direction to follow. So, the kingdom of God gathered together and said, well, sh shall we be like the kingdom of freedom, maybe? Maybe like the one of justice? Maybe we can choose this kind of system or that kind of... And nobody could decide anything. So the kingdom of God decided to go up to the cave where their elder lived. And their elder was the wisest of among them. And they thought, okay, our elders all know what to do. So the kingdom of God went to seek their elder. And the elder sat them all down. And they were all waiting, trembling. And the elder hobbled out and gave these words. Your one option, the one thing you can do, delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your hearts. And the kingdom of God was very disappointed by this, because they thought, well, I mean, our desires are to be well-fed, we're going to die. I mean, like, what, what the heck is this? What? This, this is our wisdom, this is all we've got. We might as well have gone with the freedom people and tried to like, push some people out of the way, get some food. And the elders sighed and looked at his poor rabble and said, okay, maybe you'll get it if I say it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. There was a murmur amongst the kingdom of God. They weren't, still weren't completely sure. A real rumble of hostility. But then something clicked. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. They realised that they weren't actually that bothered about food. They realised that that actually wasn't their desire. Their desire was actually to see their friends and family flourish. Food was just like a way to that. 
The elder called something out in them. It called out something in their hearts. So they went away and decided to do what the elders said first, which is delight in the Lord. So they praised and worshipped. And when famine came, the kingdom of justice was hit really hard. The kingdom of freedom was hit hard too. And so was the kingdom of God. But the one thing the kingdom of God had was in everyone learning through delighting in God what their desires really were. Food never seemed to be scarce. Those who desired to be just in bed and pray and, and not have to move so much ate a little bit less. Those who wanted to go work in the fields and delight in the Lord in that way ate a little bit more. They almost didn't notice that everyone kind of had enough. Now, when the famine times had ended and everything was settling down, the kingdom of God went back to the elder. And they said, thank you, thanks so much. And the elder said, good, you've learned something, you've really learned something. Because if you know who God wants you to be, you don't want to be anyone else. Because he's got it all sorted. And that's a very silly little fairy tale. I, I just, it just kind of encapsulates some of the stuff that I want to draw out of this passage. It comes out of my studies because recently in uh, histories of the Cold War, so the Cold War was this long, anyone wasn't alive during that time, the Cold War was this long time where the Soviet Union, now Russia, was fighting with the Americans. Um, they weren't actually fighting physically, they were just fighting kind of over ideas and over aid and stuff like that, over countries. And in Cold War histories at the moment, the Soviet Union is called the Kingdom of Justice. And the United States is called the Kingdom of Freedom. And then these Cold War histories always bring out the same thing. It did not work. Neither way worked. They just came loggerheads to each other. Now little countries got like, locked in this Cold War and had to decide, are we going to go with the Kingdom of Freedom, the United States, or are we going to go with the Soviet Union? They didn't really know. Ghana, the country I study a lot, its president was obsessed with this. He erected a statue to himself, which underneath it, was in, in big letters, said, Seek first the political kingdom. Seek first the political kingdom. That was in the centre of the capital of Ghana. Seek first the political kingdom. And what, everything then is going to be added to you? The world got locked into something that I get locked into too. Which is that if we can choose the right and good system, everything's going to be sorted. Ghana thought, okay, well, if we choose the right political system, the right, seek that political kingdom, it's all going to be alright. It doesn't matter. We can get it sorted. We can play the Soviets and the Americans off each other. Oh wait, it didn't work. Like, eventually, both the Soviets and the Americans got so annoyed with Ghana that the US deposed the president, and the president had to flee, and it all went very badly wrong. Seeking first a political kingdom did not work. It didn't work for anyone. And we might be thinking, well, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not all that political and stuff. I'm not all that ideological, so I'm not going to get I know, I, I get it, I get it. But I'm a bit like this, and not in the political sense. What I get locked in is the moral stuff. I see. I start to think, okay, well, I've got to be the best I can be, right? 
So I'm going to do the good thing. I'm going to go the good path. I'm going to find the good way. I stop talking to this family. Oh, these people aren't doing the right thing. These people aren't. I'm doing the right thing. And I forget the most important thing. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first God. Not what is good or what seems right. Because those stuff gets so complicated. It gets so... We get lose sight of our... For me, I lose sight of my own adequacy. I lose sight of being human. I start to think I've got it all sorted in my head. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things that we add it to you. Now you might be thinking, okay, well, the kingdom of God in the fairy tale just had, kind of had the solution that they could just go see the elder and he kind of told them and, and then they sort of did some worship and it was all okay. Yeah, I understand in real life it feels more complicated than that. How do you actually seek God? Often can seem disappointing, unsatisfying. Because we step into his presence, or we feel we step into his presence, we're like, we don't get what we want straight away, and we think, oh, he's not there, he's not interested in me. He's interested in holy people or something like that, but he's not interested in me. And that seems so obvious to hear it again, he is interested in you, he does love you, but often we don't really feel it. The reason he invites us to seek him, the reason in some sense that he He's concealing himself from us in order that we press into him. It's because he wants this intimate relationship with us. Because the path which is going to be best is the one where we're bound to him, where we're walking with him, where we're not chasing the next kind of dream that does not make sense. The freedom dream of the Americans that just ends up in that kind of vacuous kind of capitalism or the just dream of the Soviets that kind of ends up in bureaucracy and hate. Got another path. We've got another path. And Michael Abachi often talks about how God speaks in a in a small voice, in a small not in the storm, but in a small voice. Because the idea is that God speaks in a small voice because He wants us to come close to Him. He wants us to press close to Him so we can feel His breath. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first God's plan for you and all the other stuff. It's going to be sorted. It really is. It really is. And you might not even notice it's been sorted anymore. Press into his voice. Again, how do we do that? I, it doesn't, I, I can't hear him now. I can't hear him loudly now. I have this audible voice now. So what does it mean to do this? Well, a lot of the time, it's patience. It's sitting and patiently loving, learning to love God. Learning to seek into what he conceals in order that we know him better. Spending time. Just sitting and waiting and listening. Reading his word. These things all seem so obvious. And they, they are obvious to me. I've been told them a thousand times since I was born. Like both my like, you know, granddad was a vicar and his brother was a vicar. Everyone's a vicar in my family. Like, I've been told this so many times. Do this stuff. It's going to be okay. But I get trapped. I get lost. I'm like, oh, well, I can see this thing. I'm like, that's, that's the right way. That's the moral way. Let's get this way. It's going to sort of now. God can't do it. He doesn't talk about important things. Sit down. Seek him. At the start of all this stuff, as you're making decisions, really big decisions about your next plan, and what's going to happen after uni, or what's just going to happen with your next job. It's those 
that can sleep in the storm like Jesus did, that can be in command of the storm. It really is true that if you knew who God wanted you to be, you wouldn't want to be anyone else. You really wouldn't. How much have we got left? We, how are we doing for time? We've got a few minutes. Okay. Well, I thought I'd maybe try and, if we got time, try and unpack the story a little bit more. Because um, whilst it is a fairy tale, it's something that often locks into real life so often. Often locks into the way that people move so often and locks into our daily lives. Um, I think what would be really nice is instead of just like leaving it as this abstract thing, you know, we've got examples, but actually seeing it now, sitting and waiting. And it's not always easy, and we might not all hear God in exactly the way you expect to hear him, but press into him, press into him, because he's got the plan for this.